The town of paraffin smelled of rot. And apples and oranges, cranberries and peaches, ginger and cinnamon, coconut and honeysuckle, roses, lilies, lavender, and freshly cut grass, chocolate chip cookies, banana splits, vanilla beans, and snickerdoodles. It smelled of citrus dreams, Tahiti sunsets, the night before Christmas, and new car leather, babbling brooks, sun-kissed linens, ocean breezes, and stolen midnights. Spice and musk and tea and rum, love and home and peace and America. The town of Paraffin smelled of everything, everywhere. At the same time, all the time. Each scent layered one on top of the other, mixing and mingling, fusing and swelling into an odorous abomination that could knock an unsuspecting sniffer off his feet. A gag-inducing whiff that attacked the nostrils with a ruthless barrage of cinnamon and death-scented stink. Other than that, Paraffin was a lovely place to visit. Its population numbered 1,014. The streets were tree-lined, the lampposts adorned with star-spangled banners. The town square overlooked a little blue lake, where human-hating geese assembled to peck at bread and discuss their plans for world domination. Across the lake rose Mount Saruman, a postcard-perfect background for the fireworks that exploded over the waterfront every Wednesday night in the summertime. Main Street featured country shops stocked to brimming with farmhouse tchotchkes, animal-themed coffee sets, and wooden signs with painted homespun sayings like, if you want breakfast in bed, sleep in the kitchen, and when I get the urge to clean, I lie down until it passes. Plus enough chocolate, cheese, and pure Vermont maple syrup to sustain the populace well into the apocalypse. But these, and any other regional attractions, paled in comparison with the ever-present behemoth across the lake. Nestled in the foothills of Mount Saruman sat paraffin's bread and butter, the real cash cow with which no amount of cow-shaping dairy creamers could compete, the Grossholtz Candle Factory. The building was a strange amalgamation, a mutant hybrid from two vastly different eras. The front, a modern retail experience comprising clean lines, bright colors, and welcoming customer service. The back, a soaring candelabra of a structure, a castle straight out of Transylvania, with spires looming so high that in the dead of winter they cast eerie, spiky shadows onto paraffin sidewalks. It had been there for as long as anyone could remember. Its provenance was murky. Spotty record-keeping at the time had all but doomed its origins to the frustrated conjectures of local historians. To have the archives tell it, the entire enterprise seemed to have popped up overnight. And while the layers of architectural schizophrenia suggested that it had changed hands more than once, the names of the owners of those hands were lost to the icy Vermont winds. But nobody really cared where it came from. Whatever its past, the Grossholtz Candle Factory had grown from its humble beginnings into a wax-poured juggernaut of industry, posting annual sales of half a billion dollars and growing. 
Convinced that happiness was only a $20 hunk of wax away, candle enthusiasts came from all over the world to gape at the groaning shelves of merchandise, watch the children's barnyard animal show, peruse the candle museum, make their own candles and wax hand molds, and of course, take the factory tour.